mindset. It's how we see life, people, events, and in some cases, it can even dictate how people see you. The High Frequency Mindset Podcast will help you raise your consciousness and see things in a new light and create new pathways to living better. Host Sally Wagner is a coach and entrepreneur, and she has some answers for you, as well as some soul-searching questions for her guests that will definitely raise your vibe. Here's Sally. Hi, everybody. It's Sally Wagner, and welcome to High Frequency Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome our guest, Tom English. Tom, welcome. Thank you, Sally. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm very happy to have you here, and I would love to introduce you to our audience so then you and I can have a conversation. Tom English is the founder and managing director of Three Stewardships Limited, which is dedicated to empowering individuals to achieve their version of sustainable success. Tom is also the host of the Real Clear Values podcast, which discusses all things relating to human values, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and has a multi-award-winning career in sales. Tom has seven years of experience in the boardroom and is passionate about values-based leadership and good governance. In his spare time, Tom enjoys reading on history, philosophy, psychology, and business, playing the bass guitar in a band, sounds fun, supporting Leeds United, traveling abroad, and spending time closer to home with his wife, Rachel, and miniature dachshund, Woody. Tom, again, welcome. Thank you, Sally. That was a, a, a comprehensive a comprehensive summary of, of, of my life in, in, a, in a nutshell, <laughs> a, a, a medium-sized nutshell, perhaps. Yes, yes, there you go. So... Uh, that very exciting and interesting stuff that you do. Uh, and the, the three stewardships, I love that concept of stewardship. Um, mm. So what is it that led you to that approach to a values-based philosophy and coaching with people? Mm. It's a really good question. And it's a very foundational question for me in terms of how it all began and you know why why stewardship why values why why take that approach and it, it started a, a way back so probably in sort of i'd say 20 2016 to 2017 i was going on a journey myself where i was figuring out you know what is it what what am i supposed to be what am i supposed to do that those sorts of questions so probably you know five or six years ago i was really getting into the 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 nooks and crannies of, of answering that question and finding answers myself and I figured what it was that, that I really enjoyed doing was I really enjoyed helping people through giving through giving advice and through through giving feedback when they'd asked me to do when they'd, they'd asked me for feedback. And I had some strange some strange interactions in my life where people had asked me for for advice, for help, for guidance, if you could call it that, on various different issues that they were facing. One of the most bizarre situations that I faced was when I was in Madagascar and I was a missionary for the church that I belonged to and we were in Madagascar and they don't speak English there typically they speak Malagasy which is the national language or French which is the official language the the language of the the former colonial power there so they don't speak English at all I was kind of getting to grips with with learning to speak Malagasy because we wanted to speak with the people in their language and anyway one evening we were going home and it was, I, I remember it now, it was about 8.30 to 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. that is, on a Sunday. 
and we're going home and this guy just randomly shouts out, excuse me, excuse me, I have a question. And he spoke in, obviously he had, he had an accent, but it wasn't too much of an accent. His enunciation was very, very clear and his English was exceptional. So this guy was somebody who I could communicate with because my language wasn't up to scratch to be able to have that sort of communication with anybody at that point. So I kind of took it on myself. So, okay, this guy's got a question. He speaks English. I'm going to answer his question and, ha- and have a proper conversation with somebody because it's, it's been a little while now. And his question was quite bizarre. It's quite a bizarre scenario and a situation that um, most people won't come across. But but this man was essentially asking for our blessing or for our rebuttal on his decision to go and have an affair with somebody that night. And somebody had sent him a text message and he he told us that this woman was beautiful, that she was very attractive, that he was very attracted to her and that she'd essentially propositioned him for sexual relations, sexual activity. And he had the perfect cover story. He was going out to get, to get medicine for his kids. He was going to go to the pharmacy and he could tie in his other activities with the trip to the pharmacy and nobody would ever know. And isn't that okay? Try and prove me wrong. And by the way, don't talk to me about God. Don't talk to me about Jesus. Don't talk to me about sin. Don't talk to me about anything else. So it was a really whacked out situation. Here we were, two young missionaries, 19 years old, being asked this <laughs> this grown man, probably, I would say he's probably in his 40s or so, asking us, about whether or not he should go and have sex with with this woman who wasn't his wife. So really, really bizarre. And, and he wanted us to do it by the means of logic. And I remember speaking with him and having a, an interesting conversation with him and, and learning a bit more about him and where he's coming from and what his situation was. But what it really boiled down to, and mm-hmm. and my bias was against him doing that, as you might expect for a, for a missionary to say, of course, with those sorts of values. But one of the things that it really boiled down to in how I communicated it with him was, was about conscience essentially it was the fact that he was he kept telling us that that nobody would ever know nobody would ever know that this was happening and I said yes they would you will know that it's happening and when you go back into the situation with your wife and kids you will be doing so on the basis that you have a loving trustful honorable relationship with them that would not be the case if you commit that infidelity so essentially you'll be living a lie and you would always know about that lie. That could not be expunged from your conscience or from your character because it it would have happened. It would have been done. And the only way out of it then would be to to confess to your wife and to 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 gain her forgiveness and then to allow her to to reformulate her conception of you and your relationship. And the other thing as well that that really struck me in that conversation was that why why are you asking us in the first place? Again, the, the conscience question. It's like if you're so convinced that that this is okay and you are going to pursue your pleasure then then why is it that you would care what a couple of 19 year old kids from britain and america actually think about this situation mm. and and then i put it to him that he already knew the answer within himself and he knew that it was the wrong thing to do and he didn't really need us to tell that but he just needed us to kind of mirror that back to him on the basis of what he knew within and he was quite annoyed <laughs> he's quite annoyed with me because he just said by the end of it he said okay you win as if, as if he desperately wanted to do this, and that he had this foolproof plan, and it was all gonna, it was all gonna work out. But he acknowledged what I was saying was true, and it had nothing, like I say, it had nothing to do with religion per se. It was all to do with his conscience and his values. And ever since then, I feel that experience has really shaped how I see values and how I look at values 
in 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 kind of the short, medium, and long term. Because you might say to somebody, "Here, have some of this cake," or for, for this particular man, you've got an opportunity to have this kind of this um, dalliance that's going to give you pleasure in the moment. But actually, is it going to give you what you want the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, next ten years, etc.? And that's the question. So when we're talking about values, values are complex. And they often compete against each other, but they also compete against each other over time as well. We have to look at values over time. And so for me, I, I looked at different different ways of going into mentoring when, when I was on my own journey in terms of figuring out, in, like I say, in 20, 2016, 17. It was, it was a little while before that, that that was in Madagascar. It was back in 2003 that that happened. So that was that was quite a while ago. But again, it's one of those things that's stuck in my brain. It's stuck in my head. So when I was thinking about how I could help people, I thought, well, nobody's really talking about values in a substantive way. Nobody's really digging into values. A lot of the corporate training on values involves a trainer coming in with a list of 30 or 40 values and saying, mm-hmm. here you go. Here's a list of values. Rank these and show us what your top five are. And the problem with that is that it provides absolutely zero context whatsoever. So you could say that that one of your values is, I don't know, one, one of your values is is having fun. But then another value is your family, for example. Now, mm-hmm. if you've got a family member who is very dear to you and who is sick and they need your help or they need you to nurse them, they need you to sit with them, In in it doesn't have to be an extremist, but it might be... In, debilitating condition that they're in are you going to are you really going to say that you're going to put fun higher than that you're probably not and that's why context is so important because these things they compete against each other all the time so so how i've approached it is essentially to look at values in a more holistic way and look at people's areas of life all aspects of life so in relation to the self and the self you know body mind heart and spirit that constitutes well-being, but we also look at things like character and competence as well. Then we look at relationships, the values that we have in relation to our relationships and the values that we have in relation to our contributions in, as well. You know, what contribution do you want to make in the world? And that kind of leads to to what you mentioned earlier when you read out my bio, which is sustainable success, which which changes by person. So, so I think it's been a long journey for me. I've had some, I would say, some epiphany spiritual experiences that have kind of led me down the stewardship path in particular as well. I can talk about those as well if you'd like. But um, but, but I'd say that, that there have been several breadcrumbs on the trail that have led me to this point. Uh, I think the, the point that strikes me is, um, the, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes our values are competing. Uh, yeah. Sometimes people don't have a real clear notion of what their values are. Mm. and uh, the importance of clarifying what they are and living in a way that's consistent with them. The story that you conveyed about the man in Madagascar, uh, it, you know, when we're not living in a way that's consistent with our values, then we're going to suffer consequences. And, and you know, cognitive dissonance is one that springs to mind. Yeah. Uh, that that Just that inner feeling of things are off. And when, uh, you know, we have an internal value and yet we're not living it out in a way that truly expresses it. We, we feel that. And then that's, as you mentioned, the relationship of this man with his wife, you know, it's going to affect our relationships with people. It's going to affect... Uh, everything in our lives. So it, it yeah. really is important to know what our values are and then to live in a way 
as consistently as possible to manifest those values in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that's the thing, like the, the point that you made about clarity is so important because a lot of times we don't know what we want. We don't really know what we want. And it's it's very difficult for us to do, especially if we are living by the moment, we're living day to day and all these things are hitting us, like social media, notifications on smartphones. There are so many things hitting us and so many things that have been designed to appeal to us as well. In some cases, these algorithms know parts of us and our habits better than we know we know ourselves because they understand our habits better than we know ourselves. They know when we pick up our phone. They know when we click like more than we do because they've got the data. The data is, is built in to those systems to, to show the algorithms and the, the platforms exactly what it is that makes us click like, how frequently we do so and everything else. And that's dangerous because we, we've got blind spots there. And we've got a lot of distractions and temptations and challenges that we deal with, which which are all part of life. And and this is one of the things that that really strikes me about the need to overcome. So I did a TEDx talk in I think it was in 2020 during the pandemic on escaping the hedonism trap and and about how I'd myself I'd, I'd sleepwalk my way into that situation. So when I got back from Madagascar, bear in mind I'd spent two years as a missionary in Madagascar. And essentially, I was talking to people, you know, sharing gospel religious messages, which are very much based on on service, on self selflessness and everything else. But then I'd come back and I was bang, you're back in the real world now to university. And what is university about university? Yeah, OK, it's about studying, but it's also about a lot of other things as well. You know, there's the social milieu that you are part of at university, which very much is about being young and trying different things out and and having fun you know it's work hard play hard and so I kind of got lost in that and so part of my journey is escaping that that what I call the hedonism trap which is where you sleepwalk your way into a situation that you never intended to be in and you start pursuing pleasure as an end in itself and if you start pursuing pleasure as an end in itself and you start clicking on the thing if it's on your smartphone or whatever that is the most appealing to you in the moment then you're not in control of your life. You're not in charge of your life. And even if you don't do anything heinously wrong, I, I don't consider myself to have done anything heinously wrong at that time of, in my life, but my life wasn't my own. I wasn't empowered in terms of in terms of who I was. I was allowing other things to dictate to me what I would give my attention to, what I would react to, how I would react as well. And I was not, as, as Carl Jung puts it, I, what, I certainly wasn't individuated. I didn't have any sense of purpose. I was there doing my university courses, but why was I doing my university courses? What was the point in that? What was I going to do next? What was my calling in life? I didn't have any answers to these questions. So it was almost like I was living for the weekend in some respects. And again, yeah. not doing anything heinously wrong, but it, it's a trap and it's a trap of pursuing pleasure as an end in itself. And it can be very seductive and it can lead to a bleakness and nihilism, a sense of nothingness, a sense of entire meaninglessness in existence. And, and it, it can be quite insidious. You know, it can really creep up on you as well if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, you you mentioned sleepwalking through things. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes we call it uh, running on autopilot. And I think that happens yeah. to so many people where they're not consciously and intentionally making choices and choosing responses. They're just reacting and going along, uh, whether it's hedonism or or any other thing. You know, we can do that in our work. We can do that in our careers. Uh, in our relationships, um, yeah. because we, we've switched off that conscious awareness and we're just 
sleepwalking. We're running on autopilot through life. I think um, becoming aware of that and reclaiming that power over our own lives is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that word, one of those words that's in, in your background, Sally, really demonstrates this for anybody who can't see it, who is listening on audio about intention, intention, yeah. you know, intentional, being intentional, because this is how a lot of people figure out what their values are, is when they really dig down. And for them, because nobody can tell you what your intentions are, only you can figure out what your intentions are in doing something. And and oftentimes, that information is very, very private, because people don't necessarily want to be seen in relation to their real intentions, because that's incredibly private. It's, it's all very well and, and good saying something or doing something, but being absolutely clear, absolutely transparent in what your intentions are, that's who you are. That That's who you are as a person at an existential level. And it really communicates your value. So your intentions and your aspirations are, are big things that I really dig into with people in terms of determining what their values are and helping them to see and identify what their what their values are. Because that knowledge is crucial in terms of guiding a path and find helping people to find a path in terms of where it is that they're they're oriented towards what are they oriented towards what is the trajectory and it may it may even be that the trajectory is off like hedonism for example if somebody is oriented towards pleasure and their intention is to maximize their pleasure at every given opportunity well where's that going to lead again values compete but values compete over time so the values that i'm living today can compete with who I want to be, how I want to be tomorrow, next week, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very, very important that we are honest with ourselves. And uh, Dostoevsky wrote about this in his work in terms of in terms of people lying to themselves and and how dangerous it is if we lie to ourselves. If we're not honest with ourselves, we're not honest about our intentions, about what it is that we actually want from a situation, then then we're we're, we're wading in dangerous waters and and things can can creep up and and bite us unexpectedly and and quite deleteriously. Yeah, and and yet that happens so frequently. We do deceive ourselves um, because when when we're honest, uh, we at some level then we're going to need to be responsible for ourselves, yes. for our choices, for our values, for how we live. Uh, and it's just uh, sometimes it's easier for people just to kind of keep the blinders on and and not become aware of those things. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And th- and that's the point, taking responsibility. And that's what stewardship is about for me. So coming back to stewardship, the way that I define stewardship, because there are all sorts of different connotations and definitions of it. The way that I define it is really simple. It's voluntarily taking responsibility to care for someone or something voluntarily so you do it of your own volition nobody's there with a big stick beating you to do it take responsibility to care for someone else it could be you know some some, another person a a thing you know if if, you know to use like a farming analogy if you had a farm or even if you had like a home you know the home needs needs looking after it needs care as well but my my approach is that that stewardship starts with self it's that we have to we have to exercise stewardship over ourselves and our own lives, almost as if we're looking at ourselves as an outsider. We're looking at ourselves as someone that needs to be cared for appropriately. And it's not that we, we necessarily have to have all the answers for that. We might use help from other people. We might use mentors, we might use coaches, we might use therapists, whoever it is. But we're the ones who say, okay, 
this is where I am right now. This is where I am in terms of my well-being, body, mind, heart, and spirit, my character, my competence. What sort of help do I need? And so it's taking responsibility, but it isn't doing it alone. It isn't being a victim. It isn't making yourself a victim because you are crushed by the weight of everything bearing down on you and you having to be the rescuer of yourself or the hero of yourself when actually the best thing that you can do is take the responsibility and say, right, okay, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. There's a bit of a gap between the two. Whose help do I need to bridge that gap? to get me to where I want to be. That's taking stewardship over your own life, over yourself, but it's also empowering because it means that it's possible for you to do that. It's possible for you to achieve the outcomes that you want to achieve without being a martyr about it and without killing yourself under the weight of an impossible task. Yeah, that that makes so much sense. And um, all of these conversations are so <clears throat> tantalizing to explore and, and I'd love to do that another time. Uh, I see our time is kind of coming to an end right now. Um, so I have two more questions for you. First question, here's the setup. This is going to be familiar to the audience. In my coaching, I use an acronym MSG. And that stands for mindset, skill set, get off your asset. Uh, it, it really encapsulates a lot of very important principles. I, all of the things that you are uh, sharing with us, I, I think those principles are apparent in what you have shared. So as you look over your journey, uh, and it, it has been amazing from what you've shared with us today, and as you look at how you serve your clients, what is an overarching principle that you identify that contributes to your and their success? I would say care. I think stewardship is about care. It's about caring for yourself. It's about caring for them. It's about caring for the people that they care about as well. It's like, if you look at, if you look at it from a business point of view in in B2B sales. So I also work in B2B sales And one of the things that has helped me to be successful in that domain is caring not just about my direct customer who I'm selling to, but caring about their customer as well. So when I'm talking with my clients and we're going through the mentoring sessions, I'm also thinking about the people that they have relationships with or the people that they aspire to have relationships with as well and how they can be cared for and how they need to be cared for. Because there's that saying, isn't there, about meeting people where they are because you won't find them anywhere else. And I think meeting people where they are is central to care, but it's also the starting point. Because if we if we have this noble idea about caring for people, but we kind of come in hovering over people way out of sight, way above where they are, or somewhere off in the distance on a different plane altogether, then we're not going to connect with them. And if we're not going to connect with them, we can't care for them because we don't know what they need. So I think care is, is really central to, to what I'm doing particularly in relation to stewardship. I, I, I love that. And I love how you set out the components of it and why it's so necessary. Uh, last question and super important. How can people get in touch with you? Email's the best. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. I can I, I can put my LinkedIn URL in the, in the show notes for people to get in touch with me. But I, I'm on LinkedIn, Tom English. Tom English 3S, I think is my extension on LinkedIn for the URL to, to get in touch with me there. I'm, I'm reasonably active on LinkedIn. I, I I don't necessarily post every day, but I like to say something meaningful when I've got something to say. Also email as well. I love to hear from people 
on email, especially people who aren't trying to sell me things. <laughs> so by all <laughs> means, if, um, if, if you would like to reach out to me and have any, any conversations about how I might be able to help, or just if you've got any questions about anything that we've been talking about today, then my email address is tom at three stewardships.com. And it's three as in the letter three, sorry, the, the character symbol three rather than spelt out in the alphabet so i'll again i'll put that in the show notes so that, that people have got that to refer to but that's that's a good way to get in touch with me directly as well fabulous so everyone do check the show notes all of that information will be there uh plus more uh so that you can easily reach out to tom have a conversation with him learn more about what he does uh you will definitely want to take that opportunity Tom, thank you again so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you join us next time for High Frequency Mindset Podcast. Mm-hmm.